You did say if if people go to Beyonce's concert, mm-hmm. I don't know if let's do it in context. Okay, right? let's do it. Do you know that you can live in such a toxic environment that you have formed your mind to think something is normal that's not normal? I was going to a funeral twice a month, three times a month in Rochester, New York, and did not know it wasn't normal until I moved to North Carolina. It just becomes a part of life. Absolutely. You know, I think what I what I do for the most part makes people not like me. And so I watch people turn their back on me for something I said that was the truth, but you're confronting a truth that you might not have wanted to hear in that moment. Mm-hmm. If I were the kind of person that needed people to like me, I would cower down and not say what God told me to say. I looked up the word fear there because I thought it meant don't be intimidated by them. It said, no, don't revere them. Don't put them on a pedestal. There's nothing in me that wanted to do what I'm doing today. And I just want to make sure that I'm always stewarding what God gave me with wisdom and with integrity. It means a lot to me. And I said to God, anybody but me. Why? Because you say something stupid to me, I'm going to say something stupid back. (laughs) Right? I haven't mastered the art of not embarrassing you, God. So don't use me. I'm a baby mama. I can't save and change my own life. And she said, no, you don't understand. They're going to try to change how you talk, but don't listen to them because God says your voice is the voice your generation will understand. I never forgot that moment. Mm. He pushes me so hard. I slide on the floor. And the second I slid away, he's standing in the same position I'm standing in. Real bullets come through the windows and the walls and hit him exactly where I was standing. What? I lied to you not. Guess who did it? The guy. The guy I saw in the vision. So you got to understand, you know how doctors have a practice? Yeah. God has given me a practice. So now, because of my practice, if I hear something, I'm not likely to ignore it because I know the last time I heard something, it stopped me from getting shot. Now, mind you, where he got shot, I would got shot in my abdomen because of our size difference. So it would have hurt me different than it hurt him. 2015, I say, well, if this is you, can you send somebody to tell me? That's the context I wanted to give. That month... 78 people came to me and said, you know, you're a prophet. You're a prophet. God wanted me to tell me, tell you you're a prophet. You know, I'm telling you, I, I document everything well. Welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast, man. We find dope people that did dope stuff. Today is no different. I'm really excited about this conversation. I'm thinking, Tiffany, something in this conversation is going to go viral. I just know it. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But the cool thing is, uh, what I what I love so much about you is you believe what you believe and you are not wavering in your belief. That's right. So for those that don't know who you are, please introduce yourself. Oh, I hate that. I know. It sucks. I know. But you are, okay, you're Tiffany Montgomery. That's right. You are a powerhouse. Yes. You are a, would you be considered a preacher? No. I'm a prophet. I'm not a pastor. Give me the difference. Okay. A pastor is like a shepherd to God's people. They walk with them. They journey with them. All of that. A prophet is more of a mouthpiece, right? And so a pastor, if you will, has a pastor's heart. Okay. They're probably a bit more kinder, nicer. (laughs) If they give you information, it's going to be very soft as not to hurt your feelings. By the time the prophet comes, they come to cut, tear down, root out, destroy, Right. And then they build and plant afterwards. And so they come with more warning, more judgment, more things of that nature. So Mm. there's a really big difference. And I try to always teach people what the difference is, because if not, if I'm defined as a pastor, you're like, I thought Christians were nice. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, Mm -hmm. Uh, let's start with the first thing. Okay. Okay. You did say if. 
If people go to Beyonce's concert, mm-hmm. I don't know if you didn't consign them to hell. I don't think you. Just no, say, no, I don't have a hell to put say, you in and one that right. you out of. You're just saying it's demonic. Let's let's do it in context. Okay, right? let's do it. So I have a ministry God gifted me with called Covered by God. Okay, I got saved in my shower August 2015. Wild, right? right. Sitting there Indian style, have an encounter, changed my life, right? Before then, I would try to kill people. Like, that was my thing. You try to kill people? Yeah. Before I graduated high school, they made me take anger management. Oh, physically? Yeah, absolutely. I was trying to take you out of here. Yes. That's how I solved my... We're going to have to go through that story that we talked about. We got to run it all back. Okay, go ahead. That's right. So I have this encounter with God, changes my life forever, right? I'm a completely different human being after August 2015. And and so I, I, I just, I've been on this journey with God ever since. So God gifted me with a ministry called Covered by God, right? It's a prophetic and teaching ministry. It's a fasting and praying ministry. And this ministry, we fast every single month for years now. And so I was talking in context to a group of people during my meeting Mm -hmm. that we have already been fasting about. We've learned about covenants, evil covenants, breaking evil covenants, coming into covenants with God. We've learned about renunciations of things that were in the bloodline. Anytime you see you know, cancer in a bloodline, and you see more than five people in a family with cancer, that is a pattern. That is something that runs in the family that you need to stop in prayer. That is, a, that is an indication that a curse is on the bloodline or the consequence of a curse is on a bloodline. Anytime you see a family littered with no marriage or divorce, anytime, if you can look at your family and say over five, seven people have mental illness or everybody gets divorced or everybody's on addiction or everybody is poverty, That is not natural. That is an indication that there is a curse at work and it needs to be broken. Well, for the last year or so, we have all been fasting and praying collectively and we understand what this means. So I gave um, a direction to a group of people that have already been up on the teaching of what we were doing. Now, I've been doing Covered by God since 2020, right? So nothing has ever gone as viral as this whole thing with Beyonce, nor did I necessarily think it was at that moment because I was talking to one group of people. And what I said was- in this group of people though? Gosh, it's thousands of us. It's thousands. I'm talking about if you like, go to YouTube who right heard the now message. and you look at Covered by God, any of my messages, they all get over 100,000 views in five days. But in the room, how many people were in the room? It, it, it depends because um, I have it in Houston, Chicago, you know. No, when you the, gave this message, the Beyonce message. Maybe 12, 1,300. But remember, it's live on YouTube. Oh. So you're talking about the people that join my meetings live on YouTube that are also a part of Covered by God. Yes. So... This wasn't like a viral thing. My, my normal messages get over 100,000 views in five days, yeah. right? And so that was that. And I said, any of you that are going to Beyonce's concert, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Because mm. there was no, and you know what rebuke is? It's a sharp disapproval of something that you're doing. It means that you're going against the standard of Christ that you're living in. Mm-hmm. One thing I learned about being a Christian is, it's very simple. It's a marriage. As soon as you gave your life to Christ, you said, God, I want to marry you. And just like normal marriages, sometimes you have open marriages where the people like to be cheated on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you can sleep with them. I'm going to sleep with them. They like to be that's cheated right. on. That's an open marriage. Sometimes you invite people in for three ways. Some people, that's an open marriage. Guess what? Hinduism doesn't mind open marriages because they have thousands of other gods. They don't mind that you serve all of their gods, sure. right? All, there's lots of religions that don't mind that you serve all of the other gods as long as you serve them. Yeah. But we have a God that is jealous, according to Exodus 34. He says, my name is jealous, which means that I don't want to play your side chick. I don't want to be your mistress. (laughs) I want to be the only one. I want to be your husband. Right. That's what we've learned. Just simple context. 
With that being said, obviously we see the world. So we see a lot of people that marry God, but he plays second to something else they've made an idol. Because Beyonce has, in her own right, shown us that she worships Oshun, Ogun. These are gods, like, of fertility. God, it's very clear about who these gods are. She's not private about them at all. Even the verse that she had about using the Bible pages to use as a tampon, that wasn't her verse. That was a poem written by a witch. <sighs> Absolutely. And so these Hold are on, things, she said that in a song? Yes, in Lemonade. What? Absolutely. And so this is right in your face. Nobody's paying attention to it. Nobody is. Like, it's right in your face. So I wasn't discussing it to the world because the world does what the world does, right? I'm not not a Bible thumper, right? Believe what you want to believe. I'm not here to try to get you out of hell. Have a good time there. (laughs) None of my business. But what I do have while I have these people under my tutelage in this season of their life is I'm going to try to make you not go to hell, right? Mm. And so because we're in a marriage with God, why are you going to a concert of a woman that is defaming your God? That's my question. Not only that, what God showed me about the concert was that it was a portal. It's a gate. Like these things are very demonic for the people that believe what I believe, which is the truth. I believe that my, my religion is the truth, right? I believe that there's only one way to God. And that's through Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And if, why, if you're begging God for money, you know, a lot of people like to pray for money. Oh, for sure. Oh yeah. Get me out of poverty. God. <laughs> Why, when you're praying for money, you're going to spend the money God gave you and spend it with somebody who hates your God? Why are you doing Mm. that? So rebuking is a harsh disapproval of the standard of Christianity that we're supposed to be living in. I disapprove of your standard if you go to this concert, knowing that she hates your God, knowing that she is honoring and celebrating her gods in your face. And you have spent your money you got on your knees and asked God for to support somebody in idol worship. That's what that was about. I didn't think it was going to be this early. Now, what's crazy, let me tell you what's crazy about it. (laughs) Let me tell you what's... (laughs) I get it. I know what's going on. Your business was rocking, but now you're falling behind. Teams buried in manual work, taking forever to close the books, getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, you should know these three numbers. 37,025-1. 37,000. That's the number of businesses which have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and much, much more. 25. NetSuite turned 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less. Close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One. Because your business is one of a kind. So you get a customized solution for all your KPIs or key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. Everything you need to grow all in one place. Listen, there's power in having organization in your business, having all the information in one place. With disorganization comes poverty. Trust me, this is an unprecedented offer by NetSuite. Right now, download NetSuite's popular KPI checklist designed to give you consistently excellent performance absolutely free at NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof to get your own KPI checklist. NetSuite.com slash social proof. Look, black representation in media means the world to me. I remember watching Arsenio Hall and 
Montel Williams and Oprah Winfrey. I remember seeing these black voices and I thought, you know what? I want to control a room like that. The next generation, however, of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today. Told from a unique black perspective, from Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama, the reparations, there's no limit to the range of black stories, black truths. Listen, black representation is important. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices uh, as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR wherever you get podcasts. Crazy about it now. (laughs) is that I didn't preach that night, right? Mm-hmm. There, that was a 30-minute message I gave. Mm-hmm. The Beyonce thing was 30 seconds right. of a 30-minute message. Right. Because I also talked about how I threw away all my Balenciaga because I saw what they were doing with the children online. Mm-hmm. You know, just stuff like that. Like, if I can see it, you know, I'm going to throw it away. I'm not, right. like, really anal about it. But if it's right in my face, like, I saw them. I didn't, I didn't like how the children were portrayed. It, looked, it was very sexual. Y'all yeah. raping these children. It's sexual exploitation. It's sexual trafficking with these children. Let me throw away all my stuff, right? So it's not that I'm a Bible thumper or anything like that. It's just certain things I told them, even I will throw them away once I find out about it. Yeah. And the crazy thing is there is a man that taught a message that day. And the message he taught was so powerful that I asked God, can you make this message go viral so that everybody can hear this message and pray the prayer to renounce the curses over their bloodlines so that they can stop what's been. If you look up the definition of running, mm-hmm. when it's wild. Whenever you look up the definition of something that's running in the family, mm-hmm. you can go in a prayer and command it to stop running. Right? Mm. So if these people watch this live, it's called Altered at the Altar. That's the message of the Beyonce message. And guess what? The next day, live, viral. Sheesh. Everywhere, all over the world. Yeah. All over the world. And when I looked at it, what I was most disappointed in, it was how many Christian worshipers came against me. You know what they said? That's not love. I don't like how you said it. You could have said it differently. Mm. That's when I realized it wasn't my delivery that made people mad. It was the deliverance that it gave God's people. Mm. It was the breakthrough that it gave God's people. You weren't mad at how I said it because if there's a three-year-old running into the street, do you say, come on, sweetheart, get out of the street. We want to help you. Because that's Mm. love. Depending on how perverted your version of love is. You say, come on, baby. Or when you see the baby in danger, you say, get out the street. Come on. And you run after them and yoke them up. Yeah. That's an act of love because what you did was you spared them from dying. Yeah. If somebody's house at three o'clock in the morning is burning, do you say, I don't want to scream loudly because I don't want to wake the people up in the burning house. That's not love. (laughs) So I'm going to whisper, hey, neighbors, get out the house. It's burning. Yeah. Or do you say, fire, fire, get out the house, everybody. 
one is considered love and one is considered abrasive. You're mean. You should have said it differently. Yeah. You scared them when you woke them up. But one of them saved their life. I had that perspective when I do stuff like that online. You might not have the perspective that I'm saving somebody's life, but I understand that you're getting ready to go to hell. I, get in, I'm, I understand that you have a door that you're getting ready to open up on your life to allow the enemy to attack you. And I'm going to yell for you to get to safety. And you heard me. And as long mm. as you heard me, the blood isn't on my hands. As when it's going viral. Mm. I'm in Jamaica. You're I'm in Jamaica. Jessica. Yeah. So, so talk to me about the state of it. Because, I mean, when people give me a bad comment, I'll be like, oh, my gosh. Why y'all? But now so, the whole world is <laughs> that's on right. you. So I want to know your... Yo, what's going on? You mentally, emotionally. Yeah, I think I was built for it. Number one, there's a scripture in the Bible when God's talking to one of his prophets and he said, I made your face like Flint. I made your face like a Flint. I did nails when I was 16 years old. Okay. I was a licensed nail tech in the state of New York City. Let me tell you what's fascinating. I, one of my favorite things to do is pedicures. When, there's a, when a regular person came in for a pedicure, you filed their feet because nobody wants callus on their feet, right? But oddly enough, I had a lot of classical dancers that came to me. They had callus right here, right here, and I couldn't file their callus. I only could file around it. Why, what's the difference between a normal foot that needs to be smooth, yeah. that doesn't have this vocation, and a person that lives as a classical dancer? The difference is their callus is perfectly positioned for their foot not to get hurt due to their vocation. Mm -hmm. If I were to shave off their callus, it would actually put them in danger for their foot because they need that for how they dance. The the God has calloused me in certain areas for the work that I do so that when people come against me, I can't feel it. Now, other people don't need this callous that I have, right? So they can be fully smooth. Yeah. But because of what I do, I have to be calloused so I don't feel the attack. You don't feel it at all? I don't feel it at all. Well, let me say this. It's not that I don't feel it because I feel um, the anger rising up. Right. That doesn't necessarily die. I have to kill my flesh to make it. I have to kill my flesh to make it submit to God again. Uh huh. So what did I do immediately when I saw it go viral? When I was in Jamaica, I turned on my plate and I began to fast. Mm -hmm. I started to pray for four hours. So if you want to eat, no. I'm in my hotel room praying. I'm on the beach going on in war. I'm not everybody around the world, every intercessor I have turned down their plate. We began to go to war because if you don't think every witch came against me for what I said, you got to be crazy. <laughs> they were very upset. Yeah. Yeah. And so I go to war and I give it to God. You want to know what I've learned about God? One of his names is Jehovah Gabor, God who fights for you. Mm -hmm. What people don't realize is that when he said when he told Moses, tell him I am sent me. Do you know one of the definitions of the word I am is and it came to pass? Which means that if the I am sent me to give that word, what he sent me to do it for has to come to pass by reason of the nature of I am sent me. Which means that when you're fighting me, because I didn't send myself, you're actually fighting God. Yeah. And it's a horrible thing to come against the living God. <laughs> I pity the one that comes against God. And so what I also realized about the power position of worship, which I call war shit is whenever you bow before God during the time like this, because I got on my face and I bowed. The Bible says, anybody that touches Tiffany according to Zechariah 2 touches the apple of my eye. There's gonna be a wall of fire around about you. If I'm, in my, if I'm bowing before God, you think God gonna send, let somebody sucker punch me? So in, as you're seeing it. I'm in Jamaica on my face about worshiping God. Let me tell you something. 
Second Chronicles, there's a story. Second Chronicles chapter 20. Jehoshaphat get word that they coming to kill him and his people. The first thing the Bible says he did was he feared because that's what we would normally do. If you get a bad doctor's report, if you get, you know, something ever happened to you, the first thing you do is fear. That's a normal response. But then he called a fast. He made men, women, and children, the animals fasted everything. They began to say, God, you know, we can't beat these people. You sent us here. And then he told God what the issue was. They're coming to kill us. We don't know what to do. After they fasted, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord came upon a man named Jehaziel. And he said, don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. This battle is not yours. It's mine. You know how they responded to that? Oh. Now they still, the, God said, you still got to go. They responded it by singing a song. They said, your mercy endureth forever. You want to know what happened when they said that? The Bible says ambushments went out against them, angels, and they killed the two warring nations that were coming against them mm -hmm. before they got there. They sent, God sent derision to their camp and confusion to their camp, and they turned a sword on each other. Exactly. By the time his people came to them, they were already dead, and they had to pick up the spoils. Mm. I know the secret to worship. So, so while that's going on, I'm worshiping God because I know confusion is going out to my enemies. Gotcha. Yeah. So the first, the first emotion is anger. Yeah, I'm pissed. And how long does this emotion last? I immediately fast. You know, people so have systems like in business. So it's like you feel like, ah, ah, okay, that, okay. Well, you know how people have systems in business. Yeah. I have systems in the realm of the spirit. Yeah. So the second unforgiveness comes up, I'll turn down my plate and fast. You want to know why? I know it's a snare to me. Mm. I know unforgiveness is a snare to me. I know anger is a snare to me. There's a reason I had to take anger management class. Yeah. yeah. So walk me, walk me back. Mm. You said you were a killer. Like you're like, no, yeah, no, yeah. No, <laughs> not a killer. Would you say, yo, I wanted to take people out. You wanted to. And yo, listen, so I I, I got this story while we were talking on uh on stage, <laughs> and it was so incredible. And I think you are a testament to anybody can change. Absolutely. Anybody can change. Um, but so How'd you grow up? Like who? Who raised who, you? Yeah. <laughs> Were you raised by wolves? <laughs> who, tell, tell me about your upbringing. I would say it was pretty normal, right? Mm -hmm. uh, single mother home. Dad's around, but don't see him often. Raised with my sister um, and a mom in the house. But I had, what I learned was that the anger was generational. Because I come from a family of killers. So half my family on my mother's side is Latin kings. Really? I got a little Puerto Rican in me. Hey, Puerto me. <laughs> that's all I know. I go, no, no, no. I go to Mexico. I'm like, hola, es my Hola, es un poquillo. Okay, I don't know no more. I actually nothing else. That's all I got. But half my family is Puerto Rican. And um, they, were, they were Latin kings, yeah. right? So even when my grandfather died, he was a Latin king, murdered at 60. I wore my wow. gold top, my black bottoms, my rosary beads, did my little gang sign over his casket. Like I really? was a thug. Absolutely. How old? I was, I don't remember, like 13. I was a Latin princess. Absolutely. So it, I was raised on, um, I was raised on violence. It wasn't, and I was from Rochester, New York. So mm. I know that might not sound like a lot, but at the time, Rochester, New York was New York State's murder capital. So not only do I, do I come from a family of murder, I live in What's up, family? This episode is sponsored by eBay Authenticity Guarantee. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you know you're getting the real deal. Whether you're looking for a head-turning handbag or a watch that says it all. I mean, jewelry that makes you look like the gym or sneakers and streetwear that make every step feel fly. I remember wanting the two-tone 
Rolex. It was beautiful. Jubilee band. I remember seeing it on TV. I remember seeing it on successful people. And what made me fall in love with it was the style, the swagger, the elegance of the person wearing it. Not even the watch. It was the vibe of the person wearing it. And I remember when I first got it, the feeling was incredible. I felt accomplished. These days, to know for sure you're getting the real deal, you got to go straight to eBay. When searching, just look for the blue check mark. It will say authenticity guarantee. That means when you buy it, you can be confident that it's authenticated by real experts. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal by visiting ebay.com for terms. That's ebay.com. A principality of murder. Yeah. What about your mom? How was your mom? My mom was the only one that got out to do, she was a registered nurse, then she became a principal. So she's like the only one that got out, Yeah. if you will. But she was still a thug at heart. So if I got into a fight and she she or she would be like, yeah, I'm going to send my daughter to get you. Because you can't take the hood out the girl. You can take the girl out the hood. You know what I'm saying? Oh, my goodness. Um, but my rest of my family was super thugged out. Murderers mm. would kill you. I mean, even with my family, if I had beef with a guy, I wouldn't even tell them. Because they he, let me tell you how crazy they are. So they taught me how to roll dice. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> Yo, the prophetess was out here. <laughs> you, you know, when you first learn how to roll dice, you got like beginner's luck. Yeah. I'm killing the game. Right. Okay. And I'm betting big. All right. <laughs> I'm making all the money. So my cousins was like, hey, only gamble when we're around because they're going to start like you winning. Yeah. Like I'm winning thousands of dollars. I'm like 17. Okay. Wow. Oh, yeah. I bet big. I'm betting you in. I know how to play pool like a professional. I have my own pool stick. I can bowl. Turkeys, like I'm good. Really? Everything's a competition with me. I can swim. I was on a diving team. <laughs> like find somebody else to play with. 100 meter hurdles. What do you want? So I'm rolling dice and I'm, so now I'm only rolling dice with my homeboy because he's going to pay me. Yeah. I win $1,000 that day and he's like, I'm not paying you that. And I was like, no, you have to pay me. And he's like, no, nah, I'm definitely not paying you $1,000. I have a cousin. Now this guy, he's dead now, but this guy's 6'5". Mm-hmm. I have a cousin who's Five foot even. The whole city is horrified of my cousin because he's a murderer. He's psychotic. And he like loved me. I'm his favorite cousin. My cousin has three years left in jail at this time. Mm -hmm. I said, you got to give me my money. He don't give it to me. I write my cousin a letter and I said, he won't give me my money. My cousin writes me back a letter and it only has like two sentences. He said, tell him when I get out, I'm going to see him. I showed him the letter. I got my money the same day. Oh my gosh. Three years left in jail. Yeah. So that's the kind of family I had. You see what I'm saying? Mm. So outside of the family, like those formative years of you being a teenager, what Mm -hmm. was it like? I'm fighting everybody. I'm having a good time. Enjoying the fight or you just. Oh, it was like I tasted blood on my mouth. It was a it was a spirit. It wasn't like me. It was a spirit like. And here's the thing. Right. I never went to I was never a bully and I never went to a fight. Rochester, because I was small, it was like you had to fight in front of everybody for them to leave you alone. So I got the nickname Tyson Tiff when I was at (laughs) eight. You got hands. I did. Because I learned (laughs) from my, you know what I'm saying? My brothers would be like, man, go fight that girl for me. Here go $20. Where's she at? Point around. One of them. Oh, for sure. Oh, my gosh. I'm fighting everybody. And um, but I also hate when people bully people. So when I was in high school, if there was somebody, I went to a very multiracial school. So my school was not, it was white, black, Chinese, 
Laotian. Like I had the best high school ever. And I always hated when people got picked on. I always hated injustice. So if this little blonde girl comes over to me and I was friends with everybody, I did not really have an enemy. And she would come over and she was like, hey, she said she's going to beat me up during lunch. And I'm looking at this big black girl like, you know, she can't beat you. And I was like, what time she say? 1145. I'll be at your locker. (laughs) And I'm fighting for her. There was a couple. They wore white face. They look like devil worshipers. And they wore trench coats like the Columbine shooting during that time. And I would eat lunch with them in the hallway. And I was very popular. So I I would always try to use my popularity to make people not pick on people. So I wasn't like a minister society if you will I use my powers for good and so my principal who loved me was like I'm not letting you graduate unless you take anger management class Mm. and I was very angry that I had to take anger management class it seems yeah (laughs) it seems like you have it's a uh it's a fire of course Mm. right and this fire can either burn a house down or Mm. warm a household I'm delicate like a flower and like a bomb but you haven't, it's not like you've like lost that passion or that fire. It's just directed somewhere else. Absolutely. I think when I got saved, what God did, I think a lot of people, when they give their life to Christ, they become super passive yeah. all of a sudden. And God didn't want that. But he said, I'm going to take the anger because it's not me. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to crucify it on the cross. I'm going to wash it with the blood and I'm going to give it back to you because mm-hmm. I need that. Gotcha. And so that's what happened. It's just redirected. Gotcha. Yeah. So how old were you when you had this experience in your shower? Uh, it was 2015. 2015, mm-hmm. which is eight years ago. Mm-hmm. How old were you? I don't tell my age. I understand. Yes, yeah, so ain't nobody listening. You know what I'm saying? Um, what were you doing professionally? Okay, I was definitely a thug still. So I was, I had already become a seven times Essence Magazine bestselling author. Back in 2007 to 2009. Before this experience. Yeah. What were you doing? What were you? So in anger management, I learned to write books. Okay. I learned that writing was cathartic. I learned that I could redirect my anger towards a person and put it in a book Mm -hmm. and just kill everybody in a book. And it was very effective. (laughs) What kind of books were these? They were like murder mystery. Now here's the thing, right? Because people go to Amazon and look at the books and um, they're like, Oh, I'm so disappointed in you. You wrote the books. And I'm like, I also had two kids out of wedlock. Are you disappointed in them also? Right. Here's one of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you want me to do? And I'm like, um, I also have a heart with a bullet hole with blood running down it with my daughter's name in the middle. Is I have a lot that? for you to be disappointed at. <laughs> you know, the fact that I made it in life is not one of them. Right, right. But yeah, I wrote these books, murder mystery books, actually are what they are. And um, I started off though in 2005 with a poetry book called Hate Me, B-I-T-C-H, because I hated the world. So every time I sold you the book, I was like, hate me, B. And they bought it. Mm. Yeah. So I started with that. The reason I didn't start with fiction is because I learned that um, I didn't know how to write fiction, right? I had a very high-level attention deficit disorder. They tried to give me Ritalin when I was a little girl, and I gave it to my Rockwaller Zeus because he was hyper like me. Calmed him right down. What's up with you? Why you get it? He was super smooth. (laughs) I had a strategy. Right. Cause you know, riddling for a little girl, it changes you. Yeah. Like it, I didn't feel like myself. Yeah. Uh-huh. And they called it smart pills. And I thought I was a genius because growing up, when you ask kids what they wanted to be, when they grew up, they're like, I want to be a firefighter. I want to be a basketball player. I wanted to be an autistic genius. Cause I had watched a show one day when I was like seven years old and there was an autistic kid cracking the case for the FBI. And I thought it was an occupation. And you wanted to be an aut- autistic genius. I had my life figured out. 
<laughs> there was nothing else I needed to do. I had autism and I, had, I was a genius. Right. right. So when you give somebody smart pills, which is what the pediatrician called it, and I already think I'm a genius, I'm, a, I'm offended. Mm. Yeah, because I don't need this. I'm right. really smart. Right. Yeah. Okay, so you're writing books. Did you have a job before this or? Yeah, I had like a job-ish, but I'm one of those employees that was going to, you know, go in a little late, leave a little early, right. take a little extended lunch. Okay. Not going to do what I'm doing when I'm there. You <laughs> right. were going to fire me anyway. For sure. <laughs> I need another way out. Right. Please help. So 2015. I also start- wanted to be a hustler's wife. You know, that was then. That was in. Trap queen. Oh, had my life figured out. That was the desire. Oh my gosh. I wanted to be a hustler's wife. Absolutely. That was on like my vision board. Okay. Let me ask this too. Cause I mean, I've never, you want to know why I changed my mind? I want to know why that was what you wanted to be. Then why you changed your mind? Because that's all I saw. Yeah. Remember I'm from, I'm in Rochester, murder yeah. capital. Everybody's only selling drugs. They are making money. Yeah. Like they are living a life. Were you abused? No, I was never no? sexually abused. Um, Physically a little bit. Probably. Yeah. I never, and maybe you can help me understand it. Uh-huh. And maybe you don't have like this type of person experience, but there are a group of people who like the bad boy, but the bad boy is also bad to them, especially like physically. I just, I never understood the. Say that again. They like the bad boy. They like the bad boy, but the bad boy is always also bad to them. Oh, like the drug the dealer movie. is a bad boy. Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. Smack that wasn't every me. Now and again, no, no, or... no, that wasn't me. Okay. Oh, physically, no, I was yes. never beat by a man. Got it. Oh, I thought you meant growing up. Okay. Yes, growing up. But I'm sure but you come ne- across women who are addicted to that. Absolutely, but that, that I've about? never been hit by a man. Got you. I have never. I just wasn't that kind of person. Like, but I also knew women that were that would get beat by men. Crazy thing is, I knew one. I had somebody I knew that was getting beat by a man, and she just went to women. And then when her girlfriend beat her up, I said, okay, I'm starting to think it's something that got, got it's something with you. It ain't. You know, everybody can't be beating you up. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'm starting to think it was something a little fishy with you now. I'm going to go side eye. Something ain't right. But yeah, like everybody she went to is like she attracted abuse. Yeah. But I have never been physically abused. Oddly enough, I talk so much trash. Walk me through being a, attracted to abuse. Because obviously it's a business podcast. So we'll mm. talk about business a little bit today. But why are people addicted to abuse? In your best estimate. Yeah. I think with the person that I'm I'm referring to, she looked at the abuse as love. Oddly enough. You got to remember, we're talking about a warped mind. So you're not going to understand what I'm saying because you don't have this mode of thinking. But if you think multidimensionally and just put your mind in their mind for that moment, the fact you either get the silent treatment or a punch. The second you get a punch, you get the honeymoon treatment after. You get gifts. You get hugs. You get more time. Right. And so in that warped mind, that's love. Because you got the honeymoon it's the cycle. So you have that honeymoon experience after, which is what always keeps you craving for that first high. It's like a crackhead. You can never get to that first high again. But that's always the, the, the goal. Wow. Is that first high. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Okay. So you're, you're writing books at this time, mm-hmm. right? You wrote seven, you said? No, I was a seven times Essence Magazine bestselling author. Gotcha. So I wrote okay. two poetry books and I wrote four fiction novels. Gotcha. When okay. I wrote the poetry books, I self-published those on my own. And I did that because at, in my studies, I realized that 
nobody buys poetry books unless you're like Maya Angelou right. and Alicia Keys. <laughs> nobody sure. wants to hear about your problems. Right, right. And that's all I had in the book, yeah. my problems. <laughs> okay. And so I used my tax refund check. Mm -hmm. I self-published the book. And at the time I worked at the nightclub. Mm -hmm. And so my goal was to only sell the books to the men in the nightclub because I hated women. Why do you hate women? It's just a thing. Mm. You know, a lot of women hate women. I don't have that issue now. I've been delivered. Okay. But it is definitely a, uh, it's a toxic thought process. It is unhealthy. What made you hate women though? Um, I don't know. I just always came up around guys. I felt like women kept a lot of junk going on. They kept a lot of fight going on. They were very catty. I was, I was very much a tomboy. I always hung out with all the guys, all my brothers, all my cousins, all were all guys. And you just didn't really see any beef with them. Gotcha. You didn't see any issues with them. The girls were always fighting out over boys. Mm -hmm. I didn't really get into boys until later on. Like I was like a slow developer. Yeah. And so I was just always wanting to have fun with the guys, you know, on dirt bikes, four wheelers. Like they just had a lot going on. So I just, by the time I grew up, I just didn't care for them. I just always had a lot of guy friends. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. So you're in the club selling books to guys. That's right. And the reason that was my thought process is because they were all drug dealers. And where do you go when you sell drugs? Strip club? To jail. Oh. You go to jail. <laughs> there too. And they read a lot of books in jail. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> they read a lot of books in jail. It's a great strategy. Right. And then I asked them, like, what's the most dangerous hood in Raleigh, North Carolina? And they're like, oh, this one right here. People get killed all the time. I set up shop right there in the hood. Like, hmm. I sold books. Like, it was a wonderful strategy. I popped open my trunk. Because remember, I had a lot of respect from the hood because I worked at the nightclub. I was a manager at the nightclub. Yeah. So they would come and just buy books by the cases because they were so proud of me yeah. for even doing this. Most people selling butt out there. Right. They selling all types of stuff. <laughs> they sell a tail with so yeah, They sell yeah, a tail you sell out there. They selling butt. <laughs> Same corner, though. <laughs> and there was even one time, there was a homeless guy. He would come sit next to me all the time. Mm -hmm. And he's like, it's so dangerous out here. You cannot be out here. But I had a goal of making $200 a day. Because mm -hmm. when I was in college, I went to college. I was a freshman for three years straight. My transcript <laughs> to date still says 0.0. .0. I sat in the front row. I was always really bad at school. High school, I graduated with a 1.7 GPA. Mm. But I read a quote one day and it said, if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it's going to grow up its whole life thinking that it's stupid. Mm. And I was a fish that they kept putting in a tree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So here I am at this college, right? Wait, take me back to what I was going to say. There was a homeless guy. You want to make $200. Okay, that's why. Yes. In college, I was a communication major. Okay. You know, you, you're a loser. Right. Like, <laughs> come on, y'all. Communication major, 50000 a year. But at the time, that was rich. I had made it. Mama, I made it. 50000 a year? Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm balling. So $200 a day was yeah. my $50,000 a For year. Sure. And I was like, I cannot go home until I make $200 a day. And what I learned was that sales was a numbers game. Yeah. And I knew that if I asked 12 people to buy my book and they all said no, the 13th would say yes. Easy. So I was very proactive in asking the 12 people to get to my 13th to mm -hmm. get to my $200 a day. Sure. So I was like, I can't go home. I didn't have a plan B. My daughter was super young at the time. I'm driving in a, a neon. I called her Neona. <laughs> <laughs> no AC, hot North Carolina summer. Jeez. So I have my frozen peas or like frozen vegetables sitting on her lap so she doesn't overheat. Oh, wow. Yeah, like we are thugging it out. Your daughter's with you. Right here. Whew. Grown. Okay. Goodness gracious. And I, I was a teen mom. And so here I am outside and he's like, you, this is so, he's like, I'm gonna sit out here like your bodyguard. And I'm like, cool. So the next day I come out. The homeless man. Yeah, homeless man. Okay. Next, day, next day I come out 
and I notice that there's yellow tape everywhere, you know, so, and I see somebody under a white cloth. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm putting out my books, getting ready to sell. And I'm like, oh, who died today? And they were like, still? Oh, yeah. for sure. You see the, 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 the person, a day. and you're like, oh, it's got to set up. Just. I'm from the murder capital, though. Yeah, it's normal. Normal. Do you know I didn't know it wasn't normal for people to die every day and go to a funeral once or, or twice a month until I moved to North Carolina? Do you know that you can live in such a toxic environment that you have formed your mind to think something is normal that's not normal? I was going to a funeral twice a month, three times a month in Rochester, New York, and did not know it wasn't normal until I moved to North Carolina. It just becomes a part of life. Absolutely. So me seeing a dead person over there is normal. So do you think to yourself, I'm one of these people in a bad Absolutely one, not. I'm not going to die. I'm I mean, smarter than normal. this. No, I'm smarter. Oh, you're a genius. I'm a genius. For sure. I'm not in the life. This makes sense. Because remember, I changed my mind about being a hustler's life. I'm going to tell you why in a second. Okay. I said, who's in that body? Who's in the body bag over there? They go, your bodyguard. Oh, no. Was murdered last night. And I'm like, that's crazy. As I'm putting my books out still. <laughs> that is wild. <laughs> that is dangerous. Oh, my gosh. Who killed him? We don't know. So the, new, the news person comes over, and that was my first article in the magazine because he could not believe I was still selling my books with a dead body over there. And I was like, I got to make money. Right. We got to eat. And I'm not a hustler's wife anymore, remember. Changed my mind. <laughs> got to go get it myself. Now. I got to go get it myself. You want to know why? why? When I found out that the women went to jail too, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> I can't go to jail. <laughs> when I realized they took the wives to jail too, oh, I can't go. Oh, my God. I can fight out here. I might can't win against Big Bertha. <laughs> I'm too small. No, I'm not going. That was the deciding factor? Oh, absolutely. Like, I thought the wives didn't go to jail. I thought yeah. it was because I'm just sitting there looking pretty. Yeah. No, no, no. They go to jail, too. I quit that day. <laughs> Anybody that sold drugs that tried to talk to me, I wouldn't even date them. I'm like, no, you're going to jail soon, and I'm not coming to visit you. <laughs> so I'm not even going to play you like that. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Okay. So you get this news report. Yes. And so first, after your, did you spend some time with the bodyguard? Was it like a few days? Oh, like yeah. months. Yeah. Yeah. But you just, I got to sell my books. No downtime, take a day off. No, no, no. It's part of life. Mm. So even this, uh, maybe, your, it's, it almost seems like your whole life has prepared you for your whole life. I think in so. In a sense of... Like you, you've developed a callus before you are who you are now. That's right. And it just kind of, it travels with you. That's right. I was already calloused in a good way. It wasn't like I was, yeah. you know, but remember that today, if I saw a dead person, I'd probably take a day off. Yeah. Right. Like I'm much different to, sure. in 2023 than yeah. I was in 2009. Absolutely. Big different. That was 2005 actually. Yeah. But yeah, super different, but definitely was brought up on this callousness where, you know, I think what I what I do for the most part makes people not like me. And so I watch people turn their back on me for something I said that was the truth. But you're confronting a truth that you might not have wanted to hear in that moment. Mm -hmm. If I were the kind of person that needed people to like me, I would cower down and not say what God told me to say. But that's why he told Jeremiah, don't fear the faces of men. I looked up the word fear there because I thought it meant don't be intimidated by them. It said, no, don't revere them. Don't put them on a pedestal. Mm. don't don't care don't don't morally revere these people and so my fear has been shifted to i just fear god mm. you know obviously i'm not after being the most hated person in the world yeah. but if god gives me a message that's my first duty yeah. to god 
So um, I think people don't really like to talk about, uh, especially in like their position of like religion or, you know, things of that nature, the business model. Mm-hmm. Um, can we talk about the business model? Absolutely. I want to know, like, what is, you know, first off, this, this one situation was wild to me, okay? Mm-hmm. I grew up in a church, and you get the people who most people say, yo, I never wanted to preach. I was called. Absolutely. I got you. But I met, a, I came across a guy. This was maybe six years ago. I come across a guy and we start, um, we start talking somehow about the Bible and he was saying some stuff and I, and it's like, this is me studying the Bible. And I'm like, no, it says this. And it says that he says to me, he said, I'm in seminary school. He said, my, my goal is to be a pastor. Question for you. Why do you want to learn a new language? Like, where would you use it? And how would it come in handy? Think about this, right? Listen, you always wanted to learn a new language. Well, let me introduce you to Rosetta Stone. It is the most trusted language learning program, and it's available on desktop or as an app. And it truly immerses you in the language that you really, really want to learn. Listen, I am looking to really dive deep into Rosetta Stone this year. I tried it. It's really, really fun because I always wanted to be able to reach a broader audience with my business. So we about to learn this Spanish. Espanol, baby. Listen, Rosetta Stone has been the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 different languages offered. So if you want to learn Spanish or French, Italian, German, Korean, Japanese, Dutch, Polish, 25 different languages offered. Also, um, it's fast language acquisition. So Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways. For one, there's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. It's a very intuitive process, meaning you pick up the language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. And it's designed for long-term retention. Also, speech recognition. The built-in true accent feature gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's also convenient. Like I said, you can use it on desktop or app um, with audio companion and ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You will get a lifetime membership for all 25 languages, for any and all trips and language needs in your life, lifetime access, all 25 languages, for 50% off, Rosetta Stone is offering you a steal of a deal. Listen up, y'all. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Social Proof Podcast listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com forward slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com forward slash today. Do it today. Have you been using Mint to manage your finances? Well, if so, I have some bad news. Mint's going away. It's shutting down. But here's some good news. There's an even better alternative. It's called Monarch Money. Mint users are turning to Monarch Money and are absolutely loving it. Did you know that money issues are a leading cause of divorce? Monarch, which is the top-rated personal finance app, it also has a built-in collaboration feature so that you can invite your partner at no extra cost. It's the easiest way to manage your household finances. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. 
It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and much more. You can create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com forward slash social. And get this, Monarch has a tool that allows you to easily import your data from Mint so you can keep all your tags and categories. And unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it so easy to set up and to customize and to use it all together, okay? Monarch is absolutely obsessed with constantly improving a product. So they actually release updates every two weeks and allow customers to submit suggestions so you can actually vote on requested features and you'll be able to see the product roadmap. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash social. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y.com slash social for your extended 30-day free trial. I don't really believe everything in the Bible, but that's that's my goal. And then that's the first time I started to even look at, whoa, there are some people that are pursuing this as a career. Absolutely. Right? And you can tell the people that ain't. Absolutely. All right, bro. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. So, but, but there has to be something attractive about going into this space. Otherwise, you'd be like, yo, I ain't going to do nothing for no money. I'm just going to go out in the streets. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do. So mm-hmm. walk, walk me through the business model of profitess or okay i love that number one there's nothing in me that wanted to do what i'm doing today when god told me he gave me my assignment august 2015 when i was in my shower and i said to god anybody but me why because you say something stupid to me i'm gonna say something stupid back (laughs) right i haven't mastered the art of not embarrassing you god so don't use me because i I don't even know i i used to curse like a sailor right so i can't be trusted right you're saying that to yourself. I'm saying that to God. Mm. Now, mind you, I need you to understand really quickly what I was doing in my shower to get me saved. I was having an abortion. And this time, instead of sitting on the table and getting the baby sucked out, I decided to take the pill and do it at home. But I wasn't saved. I was just one of those people that loved God, you know, talked to God on occasion. Yeah. But I was never a hypocrite. Like, I was like, I'm not really going to go to church like that because I enjoy my life yeah. in sin. You know, everybody doesn't hate their life of sin. (laughs) I was having a good time laying it low and spreading it wide. Okay. I didn't, I didn't hate it. I'm not one of those people like I hated my life of sin. I was, I enjoyed my life of sin. I, I had a blast to be honest with you. And I found myself having another abortion and I was sitting in the shower and I was like, you know what, God, I'm not even going to try with you. I'm just going to love you from afar. Like I remember saying this to God, like I'm stupid. This is dumb. I knew it was very wrong. Like I wasn't trying to justify this decision. Um, and I was just sitting there in Indian style while the clot was, while the baby was passing that I was murdering because it's murder. And I remember a guy saying, you're mine now. I'm calling you. And I said, oh, I'm going to go ahead and check myself into the insane asylum tomorrow. Because <laughs> there is no way in a moment where I'm murdering his baby, God can tell me I'm his and he loves me. No way. Mm. No way. There's no way. And God gave me my assignment. He said, you're my prophet and you're going to do this. Now, you got to understand, I had never been called a prophet before, but it would have made my whole life make sense 
of how I knew things were going to happen before they happened, of how, I mean, it would make everything make sense. But no, I can't. I remember going to church just because I would go to church sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I would go for help and I would tell them something's wrong with me. It was never something right. I was like, something's wrong with me. If I, if I tell you something's getting ready to happen, you can take all your money out the bank and say, I'm going to put my money on that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And it's going to come to pass. I remember somebody called me one day and they were full of joy. And I hung up and I heard a voice, which I now know is the Holy Spirit say, they're going to try to kill themselves, call three people. Now you got to understand this person's full of joy. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. But because the voice was so loud, I called three people. Two of them said, no, I just talked to the person. They're full of joy. One person said, you know what? I'm going to believe you when I don't know why. Two weeks later, I got a phone call, four o'clock in the morning, the person had slit their wrist. Yeah. So. I'm sorry, real quick. Hmm. Do you hear it like a voice? Yeah, I hear it like audibly. Sometimes I hear it internal? audibly. And sometimes I hear it like you're in a car and you're like, did I shut off my iron? I got you. I got you. Mm-hmm. What are they? That's right. That stove. Yeah, shut up my. That stove. That Yeah, it's like that. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And so he tells me I'm a prophet, and I say, God, if this is you, can you send somebody to tell me that? Now let me tell you why that's important. Remember, I say, can you send somebody? Mm-hmm. Let me tell you why that's important. Two thousand five. I had just wrote my book, Hate Me, B-I-T-C-H. But I love God. And I'm like, I have not been reduced to writing books called Hate Me, B-I-T-C-H. <laughs> like, I know this. I said, God, you, I went to a church and they shouted and spoke in tongues. And I didn't know how to shout and speak in tongues. So I didn't think God spoke to me because I thought that that's how God spoke. Mm-hmm. And I said, you don't talk to me like you talk to everybody else. I don't hear you. Can you send somebody to give me a message from you? Or can you write me a letter? Mm-hmm. Very specific request. The next day I get on a flight. And I ha- I'm selling my books everywhere. You make eye contact with me. I'm walking up to you. Mm. And a, can you buy my book? Mm. This lady sits next to me in the airport right here. And another lady sits right here. And I'm looking around the airport because there's plenty of space. <laughs> Why are y'all sitting right here? <laughs> and this lady, this is 2005, okay? 10 years before I get saved. And she comes and sits down. She goes, oh, God has given me favor. I was sitting in the back of the plane. He gave me first class. And I had never heard of favor before, nothing. And all of that. She seems unapproachable. I'm getting ready to ask her to buy my book. I find out she's a pastor. I changed my mind. Because I'm cussing everybody on the book. It's, yeah, That's for right. sure. <laughs> we have a great conversation. I get on the plane. I'm the first seat of coach. And these two women don't know each other are sitting in first class. I lean my head on the thing to go to sleep. And I hear a voice say, give her a copy of your book. The pastor. Yes. I open up my head. I see the back of her book. And I say, I'm not giving her a copy of my book. Because remember, I'm fighting this voice. Because I'm like, it must be me talking. Yeah. Give her a copy of your book. And I said, I'm not doing that. It got louder and louder and louder until I couldn't. I didn't have peace. And I said, can you give her a copy of this book? Immediately, I had peace and I was able to go to sleep. I get woken up when the plane lands. I don't see them two anymore. And I said, maybe they were offended. I get off and I see them in a tarmac. She's weeping. And she says, God told me to give you this message. She said, you are called to save and change lives one day. And I laugh in her face and I say, ma'am, I'm a baby mama. I can't (laughs) save and change my own life. And she said, no, you don't understand. She said, but here's a warning. They're going to try to change how you talk, but don't listen to them because God says your voice is the voice your generation will understand. I never forgot that moment. Mm. That was 10. God sent me a message 10 years before I gave my life to Christ. But remember what I asked them, can you send somebody yeah. to me? Let me give you one more example of how I hear God. I worked in a nightclub. 
nightclub's pretty big. Me and another manager. This day, our cleaners didn't come in to clean. So now me and him got to clean the whole building by ourselves. Right. I'm not used to cleaning a club building. So he says, Tiff, I'm going to clean the bathrooms. You mop up front. When he gives me the mop, the mop up front, I go into a, a, a trance, meaning I'm stuck and I see a movie play out in front of me. But if you go like this to me, I don't move. Mm -hmm. I see the face of a man that's one of my favorite customers in the nightclub. Mm -hmm. I see everybody in the building on their knees, blindfolded, being shot in the back of the head, execution style. Hey. Yeah. I hear a voice say, lock the front doors. I argue with the voice a little bit because who wouldn't, right? Why am I locking yeah. the front doors? We never lock the front doors. We need the front doors open to take the trash in and out. Like, that doesn't make yeah. sense. I'm tripping. What is going on with me? Lock the front doors. Lock the front doors. I had this vision for so long, he's done cleaning the bathroom. Okay? <laughs> I go to lock the front door because I said, well, what's the harm in locking the front door? Because mind right. you, I done seen everybody getting shot in the head back at the execution style. Including me, I'm, I'm, I'm right. over there with him. <laughs> What's the harm of locking the front door? Mm. Do you know the second I came back to my mop, he came over to me and he's like a big brother. So he's like, you ain't, you ain't started mopping yet? Move out the way and give me the mop. He pushes me so hard, I slide on the floor. And the second I slid away, he's standing in the same position I'm standing in. Real bullets come through the, the windows and the walls and hit him exactly where I was standing. What? I lied to you not. Guess who did it? The guy. The guy I saw in the vision. So you got to understand, you know how doctors have a practice? Yeah. God has given me a practice. So now, because of my practice, if I hear something, I'm not likely to ignore right. it because I know the last time I heard something, it stopped me from getting shot. Now, mind you, where he got shot, I would have got shot in my abdomen because of our size difference. Yeah. So it would have hurt me different than it hurt him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. So I said that to say, 2015, because that was all when I was like not saved, like, yeah. but God is still walking with me. 2015, I say, well, if this is you, can you send somebody to tell me? That's the context I wanted to give. Yeah. That month, 78 people came to me and said, you know, you're a prophet. You're a prophet. God wanted me to tell, me, tell you you're a prophet. You know, I'm telling you, I, I document everything well. I wow. grew up documenting everything. So Got it. That's why I know the number. So how do, we, how do we turn the corner from this? You asked me about gift? the money. Yes. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, is there a struggle sometimes? So I was already pretty well off before I got into this August, 2015, I was already making money. Mm -hmm. So in 2010, I become an online entrepreneur. So I kind of got into that game well before it was a thing. Yeah. Right. And, um, I was charging a thousand dollars for my courses back then. And so I was already making a lot of money and I was, I was, I built a course teaching people how to get on the bestsellers list. Mm. So in my course, we had New York times bestsellers, wall street journal. So it wasn't bestsellers. a spiritual thing. He was, he was no, just, cause I wasn't saying it was 2010. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I was always really good at making money. Yeah. I wasn't necessarily good at managing the money and then multiplying the money. Yeah. So I learned that over time. Right. So then I became good at managing the money, yeah. but then I, I didn't know how to multiply the money. Sure. That's when I met my bestie, Terry Lynn Smith. So what's up, family? Listen, a new year for many people means resolutions to save money. So stop shopping without getting anything in return. Start getting cash back on every single purchase you make with Ibotta. Ibotta is a free app that gives you the most cash back every time you shop on hundreds of items from groceries to beauty supplies to toys. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. The 
average I bought a user earns 145 bucks per year. And that could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. Buy the flight you've been eyeing, that game you've been wanting to go to, or that fancy dinner you've been craving. Join over 50 million savers and earn cash back every time you shop from over 2,700 brands and retailers, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Listen to me, family. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code SOCIALPROOF when you register. Just go to the Apple Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app to start earning cash back and use code SOCIALPROOF. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or Apple Store and use code SOCIALPROOF. The Enhanced American Express Business Gold Card is designed to take your business further. It's packed with features and benefits like flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business, 24-7 support from a business card specialist trained to help with your business needs, and so much more. The Amex Business Gold Card, now smarter and more flexible. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. I already had money, but I also, again, remember, I hate injustice. So I I grew up watching pastors steal people money. For sure. I hate it. I hate how y'all steal people money. I hate how y'all got these people sowing seeds and they still poor. I hate the look of it. I hate that you're not teaching them that if you really want prosperity, you give to the poor. You give alms to the poor. He say in his word, if you consider the poor, I won't give you over to the will of your enemies. There's so much protection to give into the poor. In Acts chapter 10, there was a man named Cornelius who the Bible said, pray always and gave alms to the poor. And the angel came down and said, the alms that you gave to the poor have come up as a memorial before God. Here's what God wanted me to tell you. Mm. Yeah. So you got, you giving seeds to the church, but you should really be giving to the poor. Yeah. Now nothing's wrong with giving seeds. I am a beneficiary. I give to ministries all the time. But what I'm saying is, is your priorities are wrong. Give to the poor and then give there. So with that being said, like even currently the last three or four covered by God's, I haven't even taken up an offering. For the most part, I would say 80% of the time I pay out of pocket for everything. I don't burden the people with it. I don't think anything is wrong with, you know, if they want to give to give, but I give the message and I get out of there. And, um, and I just get my money other ways. And I just want to make sure that I'm always stewarding what God gave me with wisdom and with integrity. It means a lot to me because you see a lot of people that have gotten to this height of, you know, religious fame, if you will, and take a hard fall. For sure. Why do they take that fall? Because they mismanaged and they didn't steward what God gave them. Right. And God grew me up to fear him. Like as soon as I got sick, the kind of encounter I had scared me. So I have a fear of God that's ingrained in me. I'm too afraid to steal money from his people. Yeah. Like, have you ever had to like confront some of your, like, uh, they're not your counterparts. I guess they are your the counterparts. Time. Really? All the time. What you be saying? All the time. I call them stupid. You're trash. <laughs> you're dumb. You're a liar. Yeah. I don't like, you know, I think spiritual abuse is one of the worst abuses you can have because you use the name of God to get these people's minds to turn. A hundred percent. I think it's, I think, I think it's likened to sexual abuse. Like, so the anger I have towards a pedophile is the anger I have towards the pedophile of the church. So I hate I, it. how do you feel about like the, the, the celebrity 
flashy preacher now. I mean, you can't control if they have like something good to say. Maybe everything good is in God, though, right? But yeah, for sure. But does their their outer appearance? Let me just ask you the question: What do you think about this celebrity pastor era that we're in? Um, maybe doing lifestyle marketing too. Absolutely, but I think I think God is not a God of celebrity, right? The only celebrity is Him. So anytime you take anytime you take the attention off of God mm -hmm. and put it on you, you're in danger with God because you're stealing His glory. Yeah. And these people are really the walking dead. If we're going to be honest, no matter how alive they look, they're literally the walking dead. You're wa you're a walking time bomb at any time you're getting ready to take a fall mm. and that fall is going to be public. Yeah. yeah. And so for me, I think, I don't think anybody is uh, uh, bulletproof against that. Yeah. I think the reason why I've been graced, if you will, in God's mercy, not to have fallen for it yet. Yeah. God, God forbid I ever do is because I have a lifestyle of fasting. Mm. And when I fast, I immediately go to God and say, kill my flesh. Yeah. Any way I've taken your glory, I'm sorry. I fast on a regular basis. And so with me, people are saying, Tiffany, what do you think about this? Because people have a propensity to make you an idol. Yeah. And what do I say? What do the Bible say? It don't matter what I think. I think I should be having sex outside of marriage. That's what I think. <laughs> right. right? I think I should be having a good time out here. Yeah. But what is the Bible? It doesn't matter what I think. What does the Bible say? This is my first and final authority, period. Yeah. And so that's what I get people to understand is what does the Bible think? I always send people back to scripture. I never send people to my opinion. Yeah. Never. Do you, are there any times where your, something you've done or something you said, you're like, man, I got that wrong. I regret it. Even recent, you know what I mean? Like even yeah. these days now, like your fire and your, your, is there any way, any time where you said something out of emotion or done something, you thought you were right and you had to come back and say, yo, I was wrong. No, but let me tell you why. Yeah. Let me tell you why. It is very rare that I will speak without having been spoken to. Mm -hmm. And so because I don't ever want to make an error or something like that, I will get on my face and I would say, God, this is what I'm about to say if I'm in error. Not only that, I have a team of prophets around me. Nobody around me is a yes man. Everybody, you know, they, I don't agree with you, Tiff. All right, let me take that to God. If I am still unsure, I will say I will submit it to them and say, this is what I heard the Lord say. I'm about to say this publicly. Is this God? None of them know each other. Yeah. So they can't call and converse with each other. And they all usually have the same exact gotcha. answer. Gotcha. With that said, I don't mount that stage without that, those boundaries around me. Yeah. So before I say something, I am very well counseled and I am very well protected before it was even released, gotcha. if you will. So that's why I say there's not really a time where I've said something out of um, just freestyling it. Gotcha. Yeah. You're married? Engaged. Engaged? I am. Nice. Yeah. Tell me about him because he has to be kind of strong my man my man, my man. Yeah. <laughs> he has to be pretty uh durable yeah you know i think there's a misconception of me no no listen what i think is funny is just a few days ago um i was telling somebody i was in premarital counseling mm -hmm. and they're like you are in counseling and i was like yeah and they're like i never thought somebody like you would do that i felt like you thought you just knew it all and i was like what an assumption yeah like 
The Bible says don't you judge understand anything. the assumption? I don't because the Bible says don't judge by appearance, judge by righteous judgment, right? So I can understand that you can see me on social media being bold right. and you've made an assumption about sure. me that I don't listen to people. But the truth is I have a very strong accountability around me that even if they said don't marry this person, that's a wrap. Mm. Absolutely. What? Absolutely. If the people around you is like, don't marry this person. If you have, now mind you, uh, here's the people around me. These are prophets. They're intercessors. I know their public life and I know their private life. You, you have to know I'm vehemently against hypocrites. I am vehemently against you living a double life. Yeah. I am vehemently, I've seen it. I hate it. So you're talking about me having inspected your life before I allow you to speak into me. Mm. These people don't know each other. They're not friends. If I get four or more of them saying, I heard the Lord say, don't marry him. This is dangerous. Don't do it. And they're all saying the same thing. In the multitude of counsel, their safety. So now I have, I'm not God, right? I have surrounded myself around counsel and I believe that you hear God. So I have not also made you an idol. So let me take what you're saying and go to God with it. Mm -hmm. Even though four of you are saying it at the same time and see what thus saith the Lord. Because God talks to me loudly, he's going to send more confirmation. You understand? I don't know if I got no friends like that. Yeah, I mean, you got to like, surround yourself. Yeah, as you're talking, I'm thinking about like the mm -hmm. people I go mm -hmm. to. I'm like, because my call, I think my call is so important mm -hmm. and so technical that, you know, I, I don't believe that I know everything, believe it or not, which is why probably that person was shocked that I was in counseling. I don't believe I know everything, which is why I have counsel around me. I don't believe I know anything, everything, which is why I'm in premarital counseling because I've yeah. never done that before. Yeah. And I want to avoid the pit stops. Of course, you you know, it's like reading a book when you're giving birth. Nothing can prepare you for the, the labor pains, but at least I'll know something. And I'll have the proper tools to fight fair or just simple things, right? Yeah, I think in terms of like you'll have maybe a different standard of picking mm -hmm. a spouse, mm -hmm. right? So most of us will pick, oh, they look good, cool, let alone. They used to be me. Okay, That's right. right? Yeah. What was this process of like finding this person? Because this got to be a well, special I was somebody. found. Mm -hmm. I was found. And I think one How of the. How we do it? How we do it? Was it in the DM? Was it. I think one of the misconceptions, though, is that I'm hard. I'm a hard person, which is why you asked he has to be like a. Yeah, I would imagine. No, I'm very soft, mm -hmm. like a flower. But I can also be soft like a bomb, depending on my softness that day. For sure. For sure. But I'm very soft. I'm very feminine. As a matter of fact, um, I don't believe in the feminist movement. So even at our ministry, I'm always reminding the women, hey, here at Covered by God, we are not a feminist women. Can you right? explain we that? Yeah, we believe feminist in woman. order in our home. We believe that the man is the head. We believe in the in the order that God put the, the headship in. But what is a feminist move? I, I don't know if, I, if I'm aware. Um, help me out, guys. I think feminism, it? feminist, they're the heads. They're like I'm the fine. women in charge. They don't believe oh, in order. Yeah, they don't believe in order. I N D E P E E N. And every chance I get not to be independent, okay, <laughs> right. I'm taking it. <laughs> right. Any chance I get to be a passenger princess, oh for sure, I'm there. Got gotcha, you, okay? gotcha. Okay, I got you. But um, I think in this generation we have emasculated men, right? Um, of course, us as women, we are bosses. We're making all the money and stuff like that. So we tend to take the head position in our homes, which is out of the order of God. Yeah. And um, we are not feminist women at Covered by God. And so I'm very feminine. Um, I believe, as the Bible says, you submit to one another. Yeah. 
And I don't submit to a man in his foolishness because in the Bible, there was a husband and wife team, Ananias and Sapphira, and she submitted to her husband and she died because of it. She gave up the ghost listening to her husband. Mm. And this is new covenant. And so I don't submit to a man by any means necessary. I submit to you as long as you're submitted to God and you're operating in the moral character of God. Anytime you have stopped, I stop submitting to you. Mm. That's just that simple because God is God, not you. So I'm very soft. There is not really a budding of um, a power. There's not a power struggle because I don't want, I like to wear the skirt. I don't want to wear the pants. Yeah. And I guess when I meet you, I don't, I don't, uh, and I talk to you and say, I don't get like alpha female like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When you see it on social media, like the the message is so powerful mm-hmm. or, you know what I mean? I'm totally alpha, like out. And then at home, I'm like. Even out. Like, I mean, you don't see, you don't, you don't strike me as someone that is, sometimes it's, it's known as bossy. Yeah. Or you seem just very like chill, respectful. Yeah. You're cool. You smile I, I think a lot. as long as I don't see beef or as long as I don't sense it, I, you have the, you have the nice Tiffany. Okay. If I'm in the room and I can sense it and smell it, it's a problem. Because mm. I'm also very confrontational. Are so you? Absolutely. I'm not passive aggressive at all. So what you'll never do is be in a room with me and I can sense something is wrong and me not say, hey, is there an issue? Would you like to talk about it? Oh, fam. I am the exact opposite. Yeah, are you? I just leave you alone. No, I want to know why. Because here's why. I think that the enemy does a great job at talking to people in their minds about something that's not true. And if the Bible says that the truth is what sets people free, I think that it is my responsibility to have a conversation with you because the Bible says if you have an ought against somebody, go to them. If you don't go to somebody, I know, but y'all are my brothers and sisters. If we're going to be honest, we do life together. I might not know you, but what if one day you need help? What if one day the whole world shut down and I happen to got a farm? And you like, let me call Tiff. I don't know her well, but I know we did this podcast together. I need yeah. some help. There's no way I'm not going to help you. For sure. For sure. Right? So I'm that kind of person. Yeah. So with that being said, I think my main goal is because I hate the enemy and I hate his deception and I hate his tactics. And I know that I know how powerful I am. I'm very clear of who God made me. I'm very clear of my power and I'm very clear about my assignment. And I think that anybody that has a false narrative of me, you have taken yourself out of a good friendship because I'm one of the best friends you'll ever have. You've taken yourself out of a woman that will intercede for you, but I intercede for you even if you hate me. I don't mind doing that. Mm -hmm. But I'd rather approach this situation and say, is there a problem before I allow the enemy to continue to lie to you? Gotcha. So that's just my thing. I'm very highly confrontational. As long as I can sense there's no trouble, I'm cool. But if I sense there's beef and trouble, you don't see that nice tiff you saw. Mm. Absolutely. It's problems. What do you see for yourself? Oh, this is one of the questions I I, I like to uh, wrap with is, and I don't, I'm curious to know your answer. But I think I have an idea what the answer is going to be. Kind of. You want me to just ask a question? Yeah. I'll just ask a question. (laughs) What do you see yourself doing or where you see yourself in the next five years? Because I like to ask the question, typically to entrepreneurs, because I want to watch the interview five years from today and say, Mm -hmm. Tiffany said she was going to do that five years ago. Yeah. You know, my life is so wild that I could not give you an answer for that. Mm -hmm. Do you know five years ago, I would have never been able to tell you that I am preaching to thousands of people. Like Mm -hmm. I I would never be able to tell you that I just got back from Ghana yesterday. Mm After preaching to thousands of people, like, can you imagine? I would never be able to say that. 
So I think when I'd say where my life is going to be in five years, God laughs in my face. Like, you're so I funny. I knew that was going to be your answer. Did actually. you? you I knew it. it. Yeah. I know it. It's, it's, it's the craziest thing. Like, I could be a government official. Who knows? Not knowing at all what I'm doing. But I never <laughs> thought I would be doing this level of ministry. I never thought that my voice would carry this much influence in this generation. Mm-hmm. I never thought I would be this well known. I never thought that I would be praying and fasting for God to kill my flesh and just to make sure I hear God accurately. I never thought, I never thought, I could have never imagined this three years ago, two years ago. Your ability to preach, is it innate or is this something that you practice? Totally innate. Never went to school for it. Never. I'm saying, do you study the craft at all? Not at all. You know what I do? I studied the Bible for myself. Remember, 1.7 1.7 GPA, yeah. which means I learn differently. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, I'm like, think of the color purple, Celia Nettie. Yeah. I learned the information for myself. Right. I'm only ever studying for me. Mm-hmm. I get so excited that I'm like, I need to, you know, none of my cover by guys are pre-scheduled. Right. I get so excited. <laughs> I'm like, next Thursday, everybody meet me in Houston. It'd be mad I got 3,000 seats. Come on. Crazy. Next week, packed. And I'm going to teach them what I learned last week on my own because I'm so excited about it. Mm. I never practice. Wow. I get up there and sing every time. I can't sing. <laughs> I just do my thing. Just do your thing. Because I sing in the shower all the time. Wow. Are you going to start a podcast? I am. You should. Because why not? Why not? That's what I'll be saying. Yeah. Totally a thing. I was trying to fight it. You know? Don't fight it. I'm not going to fight it anymore. Let's go. I'm going to do it. Yes. Yeah. What's it going to be about? Do you know? I have no idea, and that's been a struggle. Got it. Because you don't want me to just talk on. It gets bad. Yeah, the world wants you to. <laughs> like, we all do. Like, we want to hear this, okay? Because when you, like, here's what I like about podcasts, because, like, long form, you get to talk and talk and talk in your your innermost thoughts and feelings and things that aren't on the surface. That's right. That's the stuff that starts to come out. Yeah. After so yeah, we want yeah. you just an hour, just go crazy. Like I would have guests on and say, "Why don't you like me?" Mm-hmm. They're like, "Huh? I never thought about that." Or, "What's your biggest assumption about me?" Yeah, like it's good stuff. Yeah, it's gonna be lit. Yeah, podcast this year. That's right. This year, next month. Next month. Hey, decisions. Come on, we gotta hey. make a decision. There we <laughs> go. Did you know that one of the um, original words for distraction? You know what that is? I feel like this is for somebody, even though this is really random. Come on, talk about it. Mm -hmm. Distraction was really uh, actually uh, a torture. It was the root word of it was torture. The root word of distraction was torture. torture. And it was made in the medieval times where they took a man and they put a horse right here, a horse right here, a horse right here, a horse right here, beat the horses where they ran and distracted the person from their body. And it was called death by distraction. (gasps) Do you know the word, the prefix of the word dis is made from a Roman god, lowercase g, from Hades or the underworld. The name dis, which is the prefix, means to be set apart. So anytime you put dis in front of the word, it actually means to pull you apart from a promise. Wow. Disease. Dis-ease. Ease in the Bible, one of the Greek definitions of the word ease is prosperity. So God called us to have prosperity in our body, but the devil wants to separate you from the promise of prosperity in your Bible. Mm. Dis-ease. Dis-ease. Discomfort. 
The Holy Spirit is our comforter. The devil wants to separate you from the promise of the comforter. Disadvantage. When Jesus died on the cross, he gave us a new covenant. And that, according to Hebrews 11, that covenant speaks better things than the blood of Abel. Which, what are better things? More advantageous things over you. But the devil wants you to separate yourself from the advantage he gave you from the new covenant. Disappointment. God has an appointment for you. Mm. There's an appointed time for you to meet your destiny. But the devil wanted to separate you from that appointment. 